Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 111. And I think I'm glad to be back at home in my own mini home studio kind of thing on my desk rather than a pub because... Well, I mean, I think the last episode you could probably tell there was probably too much alcohol consumed. And in the previous one to that, there was probably not enough alcohol consumed. So there was not a balance struck at all. If you guys haven't checked out those two podcasts where I took the podcast on a bit of a, not a roadshow, but just on, on my travels, please do so. The first one was with Nick, former Index uh, employee and also Soccer Index. And last episode 110 was at the Index Gain Trader Meetup alongside Frost. Uh, Chris Askew and Buzzing Paul. And yeah, from the, the comfort of my own home, I'm uh, joined by two great guests today, both making their debut. First up is uh, Carl Brown from the FI Twitter community who makes a lot of cool, analytical, analytically driven blog posts, should I say, Carl? Yeah, well, I try to, but yeah, thanks for having me on and hopefully it goes okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Have you listened to the last one? You've not yes, got much yeah. to live up to. No, I, yeah, I got, I, got, I got hold of it today. <laughs> so, you know, the standard is very low at the moment. The, the bar has been set low. As soon as we got to episode 100, I was kind of like, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit more about yourself, a bit about your background and what your Football Index journey has been like so far? So I joined the Football Index community around August last year. So that's probably just over a year. I've been on the platform for you know, well over a year now, stuck 40 quid in, as in a traditional gambler would do into any betting platform, started to see some returns. I think the first bit of money I might have made was on the Kepa going to Chelsea okay. transfer and made, I think, maybe four quid off of a, a bit of a rise there and thought, you know, looked into it, had a steady sort of, you know, in and out, kept an eye on it. And since I sort of got to grips with it, slowly just, you know, like anyone else has been on the podcast or within the community, just sort of added some money over time until I think a few, maybe half a year ago, I sort of put a little bit more money in to see if I could sort of make some sort of substantial returns and see if it could pay for a holiday or two maybe after I finished university. So, yeah, my background sort of just an economic student that, you know, well into his football, well into his data, you know, and they kind of fit together. Perfect marriage, some would say. Yes, uh, so, certainly doing okay at the minute. <laughs> Good stuff. And uh, you've got some great content going on Twitter and on your blog, uh, so, so congrats on that. We're also joined by uh, FI Veteran. I, I think that you had a different name in the past, but coming on four years on the index, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's right. I thought um, the name suited it. Um, I'm glad to be on after four years. Um, my previous Twitter handle, actually, yeah, you're right, it was FI Wolf. Um, I'd like to say I was the original Wolf, but respect to everyone out there in the pack. Um, yeah, I've been on for four years. I joined in January 2016 now. Um, I remember buying, you know, your Arnautovic and Bojan when they were at Stoke. Um, they were actually <laughs> one of my first buys on the index. Um, so I've come a long way since then. Um, I'm sure you remember the days, you know, where you were voting for the squad players and uh, yeah, it was an interesting time and, you know, to see how the platforms developed. I never thought it would get to, you know, anywhere near the level it has. But long so it continue, it's been uh, fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's what once started out as a hobby, um, you know, now, you know, made significant returns for me, which I never, ever expected to have. Um, so, yeah, it's brilliant. 
It certainly has come a long way in those four years, hasn't it? Where did you find out about that platform back in the day? And what, what number of user are you actually as well? You funnily enough, I think I'm like 14,000. Um, it says on your okay. referral code, doesn't it? It's like 14,096 yeah. maybe, but I don't actually know that um, for sure. I used to have it on my uh, Twitter handle, but somebody said, oh, it's not the number of user you are. So I quickly removed it. Um, bit, yeah. bit of debate about that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I assume it is. It does make sense. I'd like to say I'm around that number. You know, to say I, I joined in January 2016, I'd assume it's around that time. But going to your other question, where did I hear about the index? I was actually um, in my last year at university, um, and one of my housemates told me about it. I had a look. Um, I was quite sceptical of it, um, dabbled a little bit. Um, as I say, buying, you know, your own Altoviches and Bojans, thinking I... Um, you know, got the new Barcelona or Stoker owner. Um, and yeah, like I just learned as I went on, as many new traders will find out along the way, you know, you make your mistakes um, you either earn or you learn, as they say. Um, and I definitely, you know, I, I, t- I took the mistakes well and uh, learned from it. And yeah, now I'd like to say I've got quite a, a decent philosophy that I carry out and I'm very disciplined in my trading. And I think in your bio, you seem to be in the world of investments and, and mm. stuff like that. I think property investor, FTSE, do you want to go into that a bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I am very much into investments. Yeah, I invest in the FTSE 100 and the NYSE, which is the American stock market. Um, I, I actually um, read a book, I've mentioned this previously, that I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, it really changed my philosophy on the whole thinking of investing. I was very much, you know, keep everything in my bank, you know, um, every single penny and don't, you know, everything else is risky. Investing's risky. This is what I've been told. Um, obviously, it can go up and down. So, you know, I don't want to shout from the rooftops, you know, it's going to guarantee profit. So I had a look at, you know, investing in the stock market and plenty of research, read many books on that. Um, and yeah, I thought, um, you know, it was time to, you know, put a little bit in and learn from that. And, you know, I've seen some decent returns in terms of property. Yeah, I've just bought my first investment for a property. I plan on buying many, many more, you know, in, in my career. And my actual end goal is hopefully to be financially free through um, a thing called passive income. So that's where I don't actively work. It, I just receive that from rent, dividends from, you know, my stock. So, yeah, it's a big aim, but, you know, something I definitely think I can achieve. We've all got to have dreams, right? Otherwise, Absolutely. there's... Uh... Nothing to work towards, is there? But also Betfair Exchange Analyst. Why don't you go into that a bit? Was that yeah. prior to, to your FI uh, journey? Yeah, I mean, I very much you know, have a similar philosophy to uh, Panda and Don um, on that one. Um, I like to think that you, know, you can make money through the exchange um, if you go about it the right way. So I look at the statistics um, within that. So um, I actually look in quite a niche market. I've actually spoke to Panda a little bit about this. Like, Smart man. Yeah, so I look, yeah, definitely he is. Um, you know, he knows a lot more about the exchange than me, but, you know, <laughs> I still make quite a good return off it. Um, yeah, I look at the stats for mostly cards, um, you know, how many cards a, pl- a certain player has, and then I actually have a spreadsheet for that to work out roughly what odds they should be, and then I try and find the value within that. So, And it works really well for me. I've found my niche, um, and I'll also be, you know, looking for other markets um, within that, so definitely. Nice, nice. Well, quite the intro from both of you. Cheers, lads. Uh, got one miscellaneous question here from Matthew Showpony, the, the lad that does all the guest announcement memes, which I'm very thankful for. I call him the uh, Digital Banksy, which is uh, <laughs> maybe kind of me. He said, oh, if you could pick one FI trader to get red asked, who would it be? You have to pick one player in your portfolio to take the shot. And if they hit, you get a Starman gold payout. Who do you choose to take the shot? Go on, Carl. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
I've actually been thinking about this for the last you know day since this came up, and I honestly have no idea who I would personally want to read us. However, from something that might be related to why you know my data sort of not background, but you know studying economics is that if there's a payout to be won, having increased recently, then surely I want the biggest goal to shoot in, and I want the best player to kick it. <laughs> so I'm choosing whoever has the biggest ass, but you know whoever that is, <laughs> I have no idea. So and within you want, my you port, want the Eden Hazard of uh, football index traders, basically. Yes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, if anyone's willing to take a hit and I'll share some payout, then yeah. And so within my portfolio, then surely you're looking at a, a penalty taker or you know a set piece, someone that can you know, hit a target. And so, you know, you can't go too far wrong with someone, you know, Neymar or Harry Kane, maybe. Yeah, Kane's a good penalty taker, isn't he? So, yeah, that's that would be my answer. No one's specific, but, you know, I'm, you're looking for those payouts, aren't you? Yeah. Mm. I think, um, uh, yeah, veteran. <laughs> I, had, I had a good look at this. I thought about it. And I think it's no hard feelings because I don't, you know, have any, yeah, as I say, I had no bad feelings towards this trader. I just thought about this very strategically. Um, so I thought tall Bob, because he's quite um, you know a tall guy, it'd be an easy target to hit. And when there's a, a Starman gold payout up for grabs, I thought, you know, if he's a bigger target to hit, I've got more chance of winning the dividends. So I've got to chase that. Um, so I've, yeah, I played it safe there, gone for tall Bob. And to take the shot, I fancied a German, no other than a German to take a penalty. Um, so I've actually gone for Timo Werner. He's actually scored 12 this season. You know, he's one of the top goal scorers, you know, in the top five Europa League. So... Yeah, I've gone for Timo Werner um, to take it. And, I, you know, I think I'm feeling confident with that one. To hit Tall Bob, what do you think? I was actually going to say something along the same lines. Tall Bob is very tall. So is Bonza, actually. Right. Bonza, Bonza Index. He's about 6'7", I think. So there we go. One of those two. One of those two. More surface area to hit. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Harry Kane would be a good Harry one. Harry Kane definitely um, would be a good shout, you know. Um, as well as him being English. But I think, yeah, the Germans, you know, there are better um, history shows at taking penalties. But then saying mm. that, England did win, um, you know, the first penalty shootout. So maybe the future's, you know, bright for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my, it might be. Yeah, my thought behind Harry Kane was that, you know, he does hit his penalties hard. And if that hits you, that's that's going to hurt. Yeah, or you'd want someone like a John Arnarisa or like a, who was it, Alex that used to play for Chelsea, the centre-half, used to absolutely yeah, yeah, pile yeah. drive, didn't he? I mean, uh, someone like that. Yeah, I think Eden Hazard, is it true he's never missed a penalty? I could be wrong on that stat, but um, I'm quite sure it's true. I think he's missed one or two. Oh, really? But he's just, he kind of finesses them, doesn't mm, he? Yeah. I don't know where I read that. Yeah. yeah did he miss a penalty against? I'm going to search it up. <laughs> was it a cup competition last year? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it was in the league. He. There was definitely one that he's missed, or a couple that he's missed at least. Mm. Eden Hazard's penalty record. He scored 21 out of 26 oh, okay. uh, for Maybe Chelsea. That's very wrong. That was back in May 19th, 2018, though. Yeah, fair. Maybe I, I don't know where I read something. It might have been a high statistic. Interestingly, there. interestingly. Two of them he scored on the rebound, and one was in a shootout. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't be a bad guy anyway. Well. Yeah. No, no, not at all, not at all. Right, I think we should try and bite, our, get our teeth into some maybe more serious questions. Absolutely. But before I do get into that, just want to remind you guys that you can leave me a review on iTunes if you have a spare thirty seconds. If you're listening on the podcast app, I'd really appreciate it. Ben M. 
recently left one, which was amazing podcast to understand other trader views on certain aspects of the index. I would listen to as many pods as you can, whether you're a new or existing trader. The content and question varies each time for new topics to be discussed. Great host, dot, 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 always has good guests for company and great support. So uh, yeah, a bit of a compliment to you fellas there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a good comment, you know, and you know, absolute respect to you, Fig, you know, you've done and the community proud with what you do. You've done it for such a long time and consistently. So you definitely deserve, um, you know, the feedback that you are receiving. Appreciate it, mate. I really do. And uh, yeah, I remember you saying that you remember when I, I first started it out. So uh, it's, it's yeah. good, to, good to see us uh, finally chatting after after a couple Absolutely. of years. And I bet you never thought you'd make it, you know, this big with the podcast. You know, it's just a hobby turn, you know, into something you do week on, week out. So. No, absolutely not. I think I was saying to you before we we got started on Twitter that when I first started it, it was just kind of a, a student out of uni trying to figure out what he was going to do next and just do something to add to the CV kind of thing. So um, yeah, truly blessed that it's it's got to this stage. But most of the credit goes to uh, FI, I think, in, in growing their brand as much as they have. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, I've also got the other podcast, State of Play. So if you guys are looking for uh, football content, get your knowledge up on the uh, top five leagues and hit up uh, State of Play on any of your podcast apps so we've got a question here from FI Headhunter who always seems to have a good question I don't know how he <laughs> continually has the brain juice to continually like bring up new and exciting questions he says which is more important to be successful on Football Index an ability to analyse and interpret data or knowledge of football and he says no fence sitting in brackets so Carl not allowed to sit on the fence mate okay so this is something that I was actually thinking about today during a like my dissertation in what I'm quite lucky to be basing that around football. But I would personally say that on FI, given it's a you know a, a market platform, that data would have to be what drives you know success for me personally. Because if you were to take the stock market for example, you know how many people know a lot about individual companies. You know, there are very few people out there. However, there are people that make, you know, good money with limited knowledge about a lot of companies. So for that instinct that, you know, you could have very good football knowledge, not understand how data and football index works. And therefore, you know, currently you could get burnt on the spreads and you could lose money, you know, that way. So I guess understanding data and how numbers work in that way is what I would choose, you know, interpreting data to spot value since you can spot trends with data yeah. but you can't always yeah um, yeah I'd have to spot. agree um, on that one I'd say yeah you and I'd say that data definitely just because I've got an example of when I first joined I did actually um, obviously a big football fan myself when I first joined I thought I'm just going to buy you know obviously proven talent no other than Luis Suarez was one hold that I did buy very early on. Um, it did actually prove to be you know, a bad hold, and I did figure out um, he was competing, obviously, with Messi for dividends, so therefore you know, he wasn't getting the benefits that I thought he would. Um, so that's just an example of why sometimes football knowledge you know, doesn't help with that, you know, because obviously I thought Luis Suarez, you know, one of the top goal scorers, best stri- one of the best strikers in the world, um, and I'm thinking, why is he so cheap? You know, he, you know, compared to a lot, he looks, you know, looks good value. So yeah, I definitely data. You can see, you know, who, you know, average scores and you know PB winners, and you can work out, you know, why they're winning them, and then you can go off that. You don't really need the best football knowledge, but I mean, it does help, obviously. But yeah, I definitely said data. I think that 
I'd kind of agree with you guys to an extent, just because in an immature market where you know, there is a lot of value to be had because mm. there isn't that much money in the market. If you can find the best value via that kind of data-driven analysis, then it kind of does give you a big edge. Obviously, having uh, really, really good football knowledge can help, yeah. but we need to also remember that it, that doesn't always, you know, a good player in real life doesn't always translate to being a good player on FI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Was it uh, a few weeks back that a uh, PB man on the podcast said about when you're watching, you know, football, you're interpreting data in a way that you don't even realize when you're watching mm. something. It's like data is everywhere. And, you know, for example, like the, with the player example you said about Suarez, you know, you look at currently Liverpool's front three. Firmino is the, the cheapest of the front three, yet some, you know, believe that he's the most important to holding them together. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he goes a bit under the radar, um, Firmino, in a way, just because he's overshadowed. Um, but you have, if you actually look at the, you know the assists he gets, um, you know his completed passes, etc. For the club, you know he, he's such a big asset to them, and um, fair play to Klopp for actually putting him in that uh, false nine position. Uh, you know you'd never have thought you know it would have come as good as it did, but you know he took a risk and it paid off. Yeah, he's been phenomenal for me, you know. But it's just a perfect example of sometimes where a player who is on the top of their game one of the best players in their position in the world and maybe one of the best players in their team isn't really you know their price on FI doesn't really reflect that and it is rarer and rarer as they kind of iterate the matrix and they add different dividend categories and they increase certain portions of the uh, dividends yeah because you know we do have like Neymar and Messi right at the top Definitely, and you know when um, you know I've had friends that have joined. They're looking at you know obviously the rankings, and they're saying like you know why is such a player? I don't want to name names. Uh, why is such a youngster? I'll say it then to make it better. You know higher than players <laughs> like Cristiano Ronaldo, and you know it is hard to explain that to them in a way. I don't know what you think on that. Yeah, um, I agree with the you know having the players at the top. You know you really want them to be winning your dividends because. Yeah, there's a couple out there at the minute, aren't there? With um, you know, Sancho and Mbappe certainly can win dividends, but it's the arguments that are going on, you know, quite often on Twitter of how capable they are of winning PB and if they were to get transferred and all the other factors that go with it. Yeah, it's the future, you know, chance of winning a dividend. I mean, I've seen this argument many a time, and you know, there's no right or wrongs with that. You know, if somebody wants to put their money into a hold and they believe, you know, they will, um, you know, come a big dividend target and a big dividend winner and you know they're not wrong until you know until three years time you know we see for ourselves so you know it's all predictions you know when it comes to things like that I mean obviously data can help you kind of work out if they're going to be like that but you know you see players come up in form like look at um, Mo Salah you know when he was at Chelsea for example you know nowhere near the same player would not many would have predicted you know he's turned out the way he has so yeah there's no right or wrong with it future potential dividends definitely exist and that's why you do see some players with a higher price rightly or wrongly yeah I do think also you've got to think that the football players that are youngsters today are going to be the primes you know in the future aren't they you know Cruz and you know Neymar Ronaldo Messi you know they're not going to be about forever are they yeah I mean absolutely and you know it's it's whether you can work out, you know, the yield that they're going to receive and work out roughly what age they're going to be playing in the, you know, the top five European leagues for and then kind of work out if it's value. You know, everyone's got their own arguments with that. And, you know, there is some value still 
to be made on, you know, all over the market, youngsters and players that are coming towards the end of the career. Um, it's just whether how long you hold them for and making sure, you know, you, you hit a peak with that. Yeah, because I, I don't know, you two might know a lot better than me from being around a bit longer, but with Wayne Rooney wanting to become sort of a centre midfielder after losing his pace, I know, would his, you know, PV base would have been much higher playing centre midfield, being classed as a forward, although I'm aware PV wasn't around you know, at that time. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I mean, even, yeah, instant cell wasn't around, you know, so yeah, it's definitely moved on. Yeah, Rooney was an interesting one. He was actually king of the index um, once upon a time. He was, yeah. he was. I mean, at the time, obviously, he had it all, you know, playing for Manchester United, um, you know, obviously English, which does, you know, them two prove to be obviously big for the index. You know, we've seen, you know, players' prices just, you know, rise just due to that alone. Um, and obviously he's, he is a big media hitter, so if he if he did have obviously you know age on his side now, um, I still he'd, you know he'd be very much up there. I can I can assure you that. Yeah, he certainly was a big hit on the index, wasn't he? When it was just MB, he was certainly a draw. I do want to move us on to the next question from Fi Sigmund Freund. Even though Carl, I'm not sure if you sat on the fence, but you did say kind of both to some extent, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> so I'm saying data, data has got to be on it data. So Sigmund Freund says, uh, looking forward to hearing this one. I'd ask when weighing up which player to buy, what are A, the key data you look at from a PB perspective and B, what are the main non-data or harder to quantify factors that you consider and which is more important to you? Do you want to go for that first? Yeah, uh, I'll I'll take it away. Yeah, I think for me, player base scores, um, you know, I always look at how, you know, if, if you don't know what that is, it's basically what a player gets without, you know, either scoring, assisting. Um, so I'll just look for, you know, the, the raw scores. Um, that's firstly one of a big fundamental for me. Um, I'd also say average score versus player peak scores is something I do look for. Um, I must go on to saying that they, they do have this on um, index gain, which yeah is what I use and base a lot of my um, choices off. Um, so them two would be, you know, big for me. I'd look at them and then, you know, obviously a few other factors do come into it um, that, you know, don't don't come around them. So I'll start with that and then I'll build it down and I'll pick out a few gems out of that. And then, you know, yeah, I'll keep just scrutinising it um, until, you know, I weigh it down to, you know, exactly what I want. So I don't know if you're similar or... Uh, yeah, I am f- uh, fairly similar, actually. I tend to look towards the more heavily scoring elements of the matrix however I also want them to be you know you want them to occur you know often there's no point of having a you know a high scoring player that's very you know infrequent in scoring that score yeah very good point yeah but yes something that I did look at briefly was sort of dividing a player's price by their sort of you know pv base or their pv average yeah and it gave you sort of a ratio then however those are you know those are very skewed on if a player is quite old, you know, mm. if you've got a 33-year-old, 34-year-old, they're quite often very, you know, cheap and therefore their ratio tends to be quite high. However, if you were to rank those ratios, you know, you can spot one or two players in there that seem to be a little undervalued and I've done that once or twice. Yeah, also for me, I, 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 when, when I get actually the data, um, sometimes I see that, um, you know, you can get players near the top, but they might actually not be getting the minutes that, you know, you want in. So they might only be playing 60 to 70 minutes per game, which obviously isn't good. You know, they might be missing out on a lot of dividends just due to that. 
So that's also something I do look for. Are they playing enough or are they just, um, you know, a 60, 70 minute hitter um, and missing out? So, you know, you can get players that would be very, very good if the manager give them the minutes. But unfortunately, they have to take the hit from me if they're not, you know, pushing 80 to 90. Well, uh, yeah, about a minimum of 80 minutes per game on average. Yeah, I agree. Especially when, because you've got a few players that do score quite well on PB. However, they're rested after 60 minutes if they're winning comfortably because they may have a big game in yeah. which they may not be as strong at PB at the weekend. Yeah, I'm sure we've all been there where, you know, we've missed out um, in, you know, the 90th minute due to um, a substitution from the manager. Um, yeah, it's very painful, I must say. I think one of the stats that I quite like is standard deviation from kind of an average or a base yeah having a good base is obviously good but I like to see a player that has like a big standard deviation to that base or average score wherever which way you want to look at it and that kind of sometimes you can see some good value that that kind of ratio point that you've just mentioned there Carl is super interesting I like that I think that seems a really clever clever way to go about things yes when I first did that I just had the pure price over you know an average score and then eventually I sort of factored in a multiplier for their age. So if they were, say, 35 years old, then I'd multiply that ratio by, say, 0.5. However, if they were, say, 20, then you could multiply it by 1.5 and then you'd sort of even out the ratios. But you sort of have to fiddle around with it and, you know, you have to tweak it every now and then and look at other factors. You know, age isn't just the only factor of why a player's price. You know, you've got media appeal and whether they're a media buzz player or not, and that can affect their price as well. So. Yeah, definitely. But what about your non-data or harder to quantify factors there, Carl? What's the main one that you consider? So I think for me is sort of formation based. So there's, uh, I'm quite often in contact with a guy, I mean, he has a uh, question on here, uh, Loire Loire. He's someone that quite likes formation, you know, studies some of the formations and whether formations are very strong against each other you know, what formations are good for a, you know, a football index point of view, because there are certainly some positions that are stronger than others. And do those formations, you know, do they account for that and allow the players that you want to perform in the freedom that they, you know, they need to score highly? Yeah, I go on to mine, I'd say, um, mine, I also look for, are they injury prone? I mean, one of the standouts for me has got to be Kingsley Coleman. I really, really like him as a player. I just noticed he was getting quite a few injuries and um, so it did kind of question my reasons for holding and um, that's definitely up there on a non-quantitative basis and I mean it does depend on um, you know if you look if you're a short-term or a long-term trader if they're a short-term you could look at you know what fixtures you know they might have coming up etc so it does really depend uh, short-term long-term you do have um, you know different things that you know you can from a non-data driven base look at so yeah form could come into account you know so it does really depend. Yeah, I think for me, it's uh, it's not difficult to quantify, but I really like, well, there's a couple of things I quite like. Minutes played if a player is kind of like under 21. I remember looking at Hamed Jr. Traore last year, yeah. who now plays for Swasolo, but was playing for uh, Empoli last season. And I kind of went and filtered every player in the top five leagues under 20, so they were technically teenagers, yeah. and who played the most minutes. And the, the player that had played the most minutes outfield was him. So I was That's like, okay, well, um, next time I, you know, for some reason find myself watching Empoli, 
I'll give him a, a good hard look. But I actually purposely did it. I was like, oh, well, let me see it if he uh, kind of passed the eye test. I thought it was decent. Yeah. Stats looked all right. And I remember buying quite a few at like a ridiculously low price. And that was one thing for me that was quite interesting. Yeah, I think I did exactly the same. Um, he was somebody I bought at quite a cheap price. Um, I did look on who scored for that. They have a brilliant um, stats yeah. page for that. Um, if you go onto the detailed column, and you press under the age of whatever you want, under 20, and then you type in minutes played, it does show you um, in the top five uh, Europe leagues as well. So, yeah, it's brilliant um, for seeing that. And, yeah, something I've definitely done and, you know, I'll continue to do. And the other thing that I do like and I'm, I'm looking more and more of I think you mentioned Carl PB man earlier he's a lover of expected goals and expected assists mm-hmm. that has become I think more and more prominent in football in the last two or three years but definitely more in my FI thinking in the past like 12 to 18 months uh, yes you know with expected goals and assists you've got to think that you know even if they're you know you think of someone like you know you've got a few strikers this year you know Vardy, Werner uh, Lewandowski, they're all, you know, banging goals in week in, week out at the moment. And, you know, you said if, you know, if they've got eight fixtures, say in 30 days, and they're averaging almost one goal involvement a game, then you'd think, well, even if they have a bad month, they'd, you know, they'd get four or five, you know, and that'd be, you know, well below average. But, you know, that might, you know, those four or five might fall, you know, you might get two on one day and that might be enough to win you some PV dividends and you know, some in-play dividends as well. Yeah, I think it's super crucial to find players that are ready to kind of explode, if that makes sense. And they can often have the most explosive rises because, you know, they haven't performed well for a while and then suddenly they do really, really well for a decent period of time, which I mean, for example, look, Deli Ali, we can only point to him in the last like couple of weeks, yeah. treading on pretty much treading water yeah. for a while. Mourinho comes in, he plays well for a game. And suddenly he's up like yeah, nearly a pound. A new manager so it's not hard. Yeah, also a, a different note. I think when, if you look at, if a player could be moving in the next transfer window, it could have a significant impact on, um, you know, the price from a non-data quantity. So, you know, let's say if you have a Manchester United player on the move to, let's say, an Italian club, you know, or even worse, um, a Russian club or et cetera, et cetera, it could have a, you know, a, a big impact on the price. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to the next question here from Moz. Uh, he's got a question for each of you. FIK Brown, that's your handle, Carl. How much of your port is influenced by the PB data you make? So yeah, I previously said about that, you know, that ratio that I've carried out and I have made, you know, a few selections off of that that I thought were undervalued and I'm currently holding one or two that, you know, I've picked through that. However, you know, the data that I make I don't, you know, make the data. The data is out there, you know, from uh, index gain from, you know, a few different apps out there. You know, it's just my interpretation of the data, you know, as anyone else would do. You know, if you spend the time looking at the data, I'm sure some people would think that, they'd, you know, they'd find something, you know, quite nice. It just happens that I spend quite a lot, a lot of time looking at this data. And yeah, so and try and think of new ways to sort of go about it you know you test it out and if it doesn't work you learn don't you and you can adapt it you know something might nearly be there and you only need a minor tweak or you know you might find something new you know and you profit from it quite well 
Yeah, and that's really interesting. But, but, you know, you don't make the data, the data makes itself. I like that. Veteran, you've got a question here as well. If you could look back at all four years you've been on FI, what's the worst trade you've made? Oh, it has to be a negative. It's got to be for me a standout is buying Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I did buy a, at a quite a high price at the time. I did have a bit of fear of missing out, something which I don't actually imply in my trading anymore. But, uh, you know, as I say, I was new. Um, and he did get the big injury. I don't know if you remember that big crisis. Because um, mm. he was, yeah, he was the king at that time, if I believe rightly. Um, yeah, mm. and he just, he, you know, he, took, he saw a big plummet. And the big mistake in this was I actually um, sold probably at quite, you know, probably at the bottom, well, near enough the bottom. Um, so it's a standout for me. But again, a learning curve, you know, I, I look to, you know, be a bit more patient and, you know, question, you know, whether I should be selling at that price or, you know, going forward. So as I say, you either earn or you learn. Um, it's very, very much in my philosophy. So I definitely learned. Yeah, I think, I know some people, I think to be, this is what I believe, you know, to be a decent trader is I think that, you know, you have to be sort of honest with yourself with, you know, if you buy someone and, you know, originally you think that's a good buy and they keep falling and falling and you're stubborn with yourself and you yeah. still think that's a good buy. I think, you know, being honest and saying, you know, why is this not a good buy? Why is this not working? Yeah. You know, you have to be honest with yourself, I think, to progress. An interesting podcast you had, Fig, was with, um, it was a guy who was talking about mindfulness um, when trading. Um, you know, it's very easy Oof. to get caught up, you know, um, with, you know, day-to-day life and it can actually um, impact in trading. And it was really interesting to listen to that, you know. Um, I think, you know, people make bad decisions. Um, you know, if they have a bad week, they might just, you know, oh, I want to change my portfolio and, you know, there'll be instant selling for quick, you know, so they can swap it around quick. And, you know, it, it can really have a big impact on, you know, on your overall portfolio, a detrimental effect. So it's, in, it, you know, you really got to look at, you know, how you're feeling at the time. Are you making the right decision? And always sleep on a decision, I think, you know, wake up in the morning and say, right, is that the right decision to make? Um, and, you know, make a decision, you know, not off impulse. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting podcast with the trading composure, the kind of grand trading grandmaster. He attributed so much of his success to having that kind of clear-minded approach to things, which is uh, super interesting. And and you're right, like a lot of traders do lose a lot of money by just making decisions on impulse and instant selling and then eating up a lot of their profit, which isn't always the way to go. Yeah, so from that podcast, actually, I did take his technique of when he said, you know, he has that handbook, doesn't he, that he writes Mm. in. And uh, I did start doing that. And if you, by making some trades, having to write them into a book and be like, yeah, I, you know, I bought this amount of shares of this player at this time, you know, you know, if you were to write that before you pressed buy, it gives you an extra, you know, four or five minutes to see it on paper, you know, and you allow yourself to think, you know, is this a good buy? You know, and you're not so impulsive, you know, it's quite easy to see, you know, the same name flash through a ticker quite quickly, you hit buy, and then, you know, two minutes later, you're, you know, two, three percent down, and you know, you're annoyed that you've jumped the gun and not really took enough time to analyze the trade, really. It's really interesting. Uh, Veteran, I don't know if you were going to say something or exactly the same thing there. Yeah, we're more or less going to cover the same points, really. Um, Yeah, as exactly Carl hit the nail on the head there. (laughs) <laughs> nice, nice. Neo FI or Index Robin. I'm a newbie, so obviously still learning the rope. So a question to everyone, really. What do you focus on in your research for your next trade? That's that's an interesting question. Yeah, I mean, going back to what we said before on the, you know, the PB data, it really depends. I'd say personally for me, um, yeah, as I've previously mentioned, 
but it does depend on the trader you know and the lifestyle and um, i don't want to give you know certain points from how i trade and you know if that impacts somebody else he might have you know a bit more time to sit down as i say i you know invest in property i invest in you know the other stock market and i haven't mentioned that i am actually a business owner as well so i do have uh, you know quite a hectic lifestyle um, and i think that is why i am a long-term trader and so as i say i've picked my players off what i've mentioned before um, and i I am looking to hold them for you know quite at least a year you know i I don't make decisions very short term and so it really does depend on that and i'd definitely say what do you think yeah so i would yeah agree in that it does depend on what sort of trading you know strategy you wish to you know look for you know, my strategy has changed over the years. I used to hold a lot of, you know, media buzz players and now it's predominantly performance buzz players. But one thing I would sort of advise some of these sort of newcomers or even some people that have been on the platform, you know, that like sometimes you see have a moan on the transfer is that you need to play the game that Football Index is and not what you think or would like it to be. So the rules are there for everyone to see. You know, and we're all competing with those guidelines, not what you wish those guidelines to be. So, yeah, I think you find it a lot on Twitter. I think, you know, you, you see people, you know, arguing against the matrix or against the media buzz and um, saying, you know, certain things aren't yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've missed out on dividends, you know, due to this reason. But yeah, you're completely right. You know, the rules are there in place um, and they did know that before. Well, they should have known that, you know, before they did um, place that, well, let's say bet on the player so yeah interesting point also if i'm to add my advice i'd say just find your own strategy and be very disciplined with it this has worked very well for me you know i'll have my certain you know rules that i stand by and if there is a player that i do really like and they're outside of that margin i am strict enough to say um I'm, you know i'm going to miss out on this one um, and be very disciplined that's just my approach and um, it works for me and um, i'm not saying it works for everybody but it keeps you that you know discipline in the fact that i'm not overbuying. um yeah, I can really manage, um, you know, my portfolio well due to that. Awesome. Some great insight there. I think the point about finding a strategy that really suits you is is really important. And I think every FI trader should aspire to do so, because if you keep flip-flopping and chopping and changing your own strategy, then sometimes it doesn't actually have desired effect. Yeah, I mean, I recently, you know, tested a, a little bit of more short-term holds out. Um, just to see, you know, I think you always have that question, could I be making a better ROI. So I did look a bit lower down the market and um, just before, um, you know, the big announcement. So I was looking, you know, under a pound players and seeing and buying bigger shares in them players to see if that was a system that suited me. Um, you know, some worked, some didn't. But overall, I'm happier with my overall strategy that I'm sticking with. Um, but it's, it is sometimes good, um, you know, in small amounts just to, you know, test the waters. If you have a certain strategy that you're thinking you want to go to, don't dive in your whole portfolio. Just do a small amount of it. See if it's for you. And then, you know, you can make your decision from that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that if you are sort of diving between strategies, it becomes quite hard. So, you know, you know, you look for your portfolio and you're like, did I buy that player because I want to sell him in a week's time? Or did I buy that player for PV? Or did I buy that player? you know, for God knows reason, and you sort of lose track of why you're buying a player, sort of what sort of targets you've sort of set for that player in terms of a yield maybe, and, you know, then then it becomes very hard to sort of find a selling point because a lot of people sort of seem to, you know, their biggest trouble is, you know, when do I sell? When's the right time to sell? And if they never really had a strategy in the first place, maybe that's probably why they didn't know when to sell. 
Definitely. And I think you could actually, another bit of advice, you could actually get a spreadsheet, write down what holds um, you know, you have or you intend to have and um, actually be disciplined enough to write down you know, how long you plan to hold them for, what's the reason for holding, are you buying for a transfer, are you buying for the long term? And you can kind of you know, work out your portfolio from that. Um, so I have a lot of spreadsheets myself just to keep everything on track. Um, you know, that's not just on football index, but in day to day life. And, you know, it, <laughs> it's crazy how much, you know, it helps, you know, it, it can get all a bit messy if it's all in your head. So definitely write, you know, things down for me works. But as I say, everyone's different. Um, but something that I definitely uh, recommend. Yeah, writing stuff down has has definitely helped me, especially when you, your brain feels very cluttered. It certainly helped because it just kind of just makes yourself more organized and, and frees your brain up to concentrate on the important things and sometimes that might be uh, trying to make more money on fi but lua lua has a question here i think you mentioned him previously carl yeah he said fire in the booth what's the toughest decision that you've had to make on fi so far and then he says do you have a trading philosophy and lastly he says if you were stuck on a desert f island what five stats would you take with you <laughs> um tougher decision for me well, I actually think this might apply to almost everyone. And if they say this isn't their tough decision, then I think they may be partially lying because surely <laughs> the toughest decision on FI is who to buy and when to buy. Because if everybody knew who, if that decision became easy, everyone would buy profitable players and everyone would be winning. Yeah, I completely agree. But I'd probably say that for me, the hardest decision, well, not this isn't my answer, but it's actually when to sell for me, um, when to buy and you know who to buy isn't much of an issue it's you know when when's the best time to get out is definitely something that I think even in the normal stock market it's something that you know plays on your mind and when you do when they are you know when they've had a big big rise you're thinking right you, you reevaluate. you look at the price and you're thinking right this is what they're going to expect to receive in dividends is it going to be worth it and then you know you can you can kind of have that regret if you you know you keep on too long or you can have that regret if you know you sell too early so I think that's a big one for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you're good at both sides of buying and selling, then yeah, you know, and let then me you know. Did lie. Yeah, so yeah, I do <laughs> think that's something that I wish to master. <laughs> Trading philosophy, Carl? Yeah, so definitely sort of moving towards that sort of stats, PB based sort of philosophy. I'm sort of trying to make sure that when I do look at stats for a player, that I'm not, that I'm looking at all sides of the argument because it's very easy to get down and, you know, look at, this player makes so many, you know, scores so many goals, but he gives the ball away so much that those goals don't really mean too much in his overall score. So you have to be, you know, if you're selective in what stats you use, you know, you could be missing, you know, something quite big there. So definitely being, you know, quite honest, you know, and as non-biased as I can be with the data and, you know, trading towards PB is sort of my sort of philosophy at the minute. I think it will be for, you know, a while. Yeah, interesting. Um, going back to my trading philosophy, I def- I'd say, you know, going back to what I said, I'm a long-term investor. Uh, I base a lot of my trading from Warren Buffett, funnily enough. Um, I've read a lot of his books. Um, he's one of the most successful investors in the world. And he's very much long-term, which, um, you know, is a big decision of why I do that. And as well as my lifestyle, 
um, which I previously mentioned. He says, I think investing should be um, a lot like, you know, watching the grass grow. It shouldn't be too exciting. Um, I definitely say that with the stock market. I think people, you know, are thinking, wow, I'm investing in the stock market. This is so exciting. But it really, really isn't. And um, the FTSE 100 and the NYSE, my um, you know, my investing is very boring. I do enjoy football index, of course, just because it's football based. Uh, you know, there's something going on every day. A dividend's up for grab. But that's a lot different. It's, as I say, it's gambling over investing. And let's not forget that. But yeah, it's something I do really enjoy compared to the normal stock market. Um, and I didn't actually answer um, the first question, what's the tough, yeah. toughest decision? Um, so mine is, it was actually whether to hold or sell or partially sell. When I went traveling for eight months, um, I okay. was really, really thinking about that. Like, do I, you know, do I sell up for good? Well, not for good, but for the time I'm away, I won't be able to trade. Um, I won't be able to touch my portfolio. What if everyone gets an ACL injury and, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> so it was something that definitely played on my mind. In the end, I decided to hold and... You know, that we're back in 2017, so I'm I'm pretty sure you can see that was um, a good decision to make. Yeah, I think in terms of decisions, I'm I'm not too sure. But the trading philosophy, I've often said to people that they always seem to be kind of gagging to spend their balance, so to speak. And I always say to those people, but whenever you buy a player, always think, if I could only buy one player a month, would it be this player? Because yeah. then, mm. in your head, you're buying the player that you think is the best value on the index at that time. And I think having that kind of mentality with every one of your players is probably quite important, or every one of your purchases will probably make it more likely that you'll profit big time. Yeah, I mean, you often see some people, they own some shares in a PV winner, but they'll always say, you know, I wish I owned more. Mm. You know, and if you thought that person was value at the time, you know, why didn't you choose that one rather than someone else? And quite often it's because they'll be like, well, I already owned him and I didn't own this person. Yeah. Going back to, um, funnily enough, Warren Buffett, he actually says if you were to pick five stocks just per year or per, you know, five years, he said you would make such better decisions and, you know, you'd probably be um, successful from that, you know, because you'd take the time um, to really pick out, you know, you'd be reading for hours on end. And uh, he said, yeah, if you were to pick five and make your, your best decision, you, you wouldn't go far wrong in, um, in any market. What about this desert FI island question? What five stats would you take with you? I don't really know where to go with that, Carl. So if I was on an island, a desert island, then surely, you know, you want to take something that excites you. So... I think two of them would have to be goals and assists. You would have to take, you know, I'd probably then take something like key passes and successful dribbles. And the last stat I would actually use would be a team's win ratio. And that's something that I do sort of look at when trading because it's okay in having a player that's very good for the matrix. However, if their team isn't winning very much, mm. you severely limit his chances of winning PV. I don't know. I don't know what the stats are for someone winning PB when they didn't win a game, or uh, like how, how likely that is. I don't know if you've got <laughs> it to hand. It's definitely uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Index Gain will have something <laughs> up the sleeve. From my, from what I have at the minute, so that's from the finishing of the international break. It's 91 percent of PB winners were in a winning team. Mm. However, just one percent of PB winners were in a losing team, and the rest will be, you know, just in a draw. But they're quite often in a you know single match day. You know, mm, that's you know, what I was about very to say. Rare, yeah, very rare that a player doesn't win on a treble match day or a golden match day now, and is in a drawing or losing team. Yeah, I think that's um, that's good from the matrix to do that because I think you'd have a lot of people complaining um, due to that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, going on to my five stats, I would pick for him. I'd want to see who you know who's doing well, um, who isn't. You know, um, I'd pick player goals and assists. Have you said? Um, you know, it's the most exciting thing for me to see who's you know hitting the goals in and who's the top scorer in the, you know the top five European leagues. Um, youth talent ratings. I'd want to see who's the next up and coming star. If I was stranded, I'd want to know you know where they're from, what's the name, you know, and maybe if I got off the island, I might be able to invest in them <laughs> if they haven't IPO'd at a, you know a high price. Finally, uh, I'd definitely say you know who's winning the dividends, the dividend winners. Um, you know, something to you know look forward to when I get off this island. <laughs> I'm not sure any of those stats would help us find food or water though, which is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who needs food and water when you've got stats from FI? Exactly. Who needs food and water when you've got dividends? <laughs> well, now for, for a little ad break here, plugging Index Gain. I'm sure you two, or veteran, you mentioned you use Index Gain. Uh, why don't you say a kind word about them? I mean, yeah, if, especially if you're um, you know, a newer user and you, you know, you've never really had a look into it. It's fantastic to actually you know, pick out, as we've said before, the player bases. It's got lots of different things. They've got the buzz bot, which you can just type a player's name into. Um, and it shows you how to do that and it shows you know the dividend you know they've returned and um, it shows how many minutes they've played and um, you can track your portfolio on it and um, which is you know it, it's just essential for me at the minute but yeah a big part of how I trade and um, you know it's made me some decent returns. Yeah I can imagine it is definitely a great tool. Carl I'm not sure if you use it or yeah, if you prefer I am, I am your the... own your own things. No a lot a lot of the stuff I do get from there as well, because although I have my own sort of, you know, I look at try and look at different ratios, you know, the data of PB averages, PB bases, you know, they all come from index gain. So, you know, it's a great place to start. And there's a lot of different tools out there that suit people with different strategies and, you know, different holding lengths. So, you know, short term traders, there's stuff on there for those and there's some stuff on there for, you know, the longer term traders. So, yeah, I do. You know, I'm a premium member, you know, for the, I've been a premium member for the last few months and continue, will continue to do so for a long while, I'm sure. Yeah, so if you guys don't know, Index Gain are a third-party data provider for Football Index Data. They also have a wonderful community, which is on Slack, and there are loads of other tools you can use via Slack, uh, via the BuzzBot tool, such as tracking your portfolio that FI Veteran mentioned. And yeah, it's just the, the, one of the best tools to research players and try and predict who are going to be those next big hitters uh, from a performance buzz standpoint. If you guys are interested in checking it out, you can use the code FIG20 for 50% off your first month over on indexgain.co.uk. We'll, we'll move on to the next question here. FI Headhunter again. I'm hesitant to ask this one just because this might happen by the time the podcast is released and we might look very, very silly. What do you think the 12 rockets mean? Yeah, I've really thought about this one. Um, I'd like, I've thought about it quite well. Um, and I think that it was got to do with something with Christmas. Um, and if you do know the song, The 12 Days of Christmas... <laughs> I think it's something to do with that. Um, so they'll may have something each day, so on the 12th day of Christmas, and then it'll have like, you know, a certain offer or, um, you know, something up for grabs. It's just a thought, but, you know, I'm quite confident with that. Yeah, I also, when, because it was actually my flatmate that is also an FI user that mentioned it to me because I didn't originally see the tweet. And, you know, and I, and, you know, he, he said to me about Christmas time or something like that. And I was like, oh, you know, is it, you know, 12 days of Christmas? I also know there's a lot, a lot of speculation about because of there being 12 months in a year about this, you know, monthly, you know, team of the month type of thing and having a dividend payout for that. But yeah, honestly, who knows? I don't think anyone could have guessed that dividends would rise 57% in the last one. Yeah. 
Adam uh, Cole's so, always got something up his sleeve, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if it is 12 Days of Christmas, what kind of thing do you think that would look like? Um, I think it would have something like, uh, you know, maybe a, a couple of bonuses in there. Maybe, you know, you've got to, you know, buy a few shares to get be put into a, a draw to win um, certain cash prize. Um, I think they're going to go down that route, definitely. But as I say, who knows? Yeah, I mean, you know, they could offer, you know, on one day they go to offering, you know, when they offered five places of media through the summer, you know, they could do that as a one-off through one of those days. Yeah. You know, maybe even this question of tiered PB, maybe it happens for Boxing Day. Maybe, you know, who knows? But <laughs> I think uh, it's been confirmed that it won't come in. But as I say, you, you never know, you know, but. Yeah. Um I'd like I'd I'd be very much I'd love to see it in, you know, in place, but whether they'll bring it in is another question. Yeah. They've got to think of the profits that they're pulling in as well, don't they, you know. Um mm. and you know, I'm happy to see them make good profits because I know it, they put it back into the marketing and um, you know, things like that. So I don't want them to be too much out of pocket. Veteran, you'll know as well as me that historically this is quite a quiet time for FI between October to December and, you know, a lot of companies will have spent a lot of their marketing budget and so on and so forth. So maybe it's going to definitely be something to stimulate the market. Yeah, I think there's a lot of football on, you know, as, on Christmas time as well. So it could be something to do with marketing. I know we saw um, the sneak preview of Jamie Carragher, mm. um, you know, chatting away. Um, so, the, you know, there'll be a big marketing push, I assume. I, mean, I think Boxing Day stands out for me as a big football day I, I mean you know there's been some you know amazing fixtures on that day and results Um, you know everyone well for me you know in my house we all sit down and you know watch uh, you know football on Boxing Day it's very much uh, what we do yeah. Um, so yeah I mean it, it'd be exciting to see whether we get it right I'm quite confident I'll get that one right but I think I'll be looking a bit silly now <laughs> in a few days time yeah, we'll probably look like idiots when this comes out on, on <laughs> yeah. Friday, on Black Friday Fine, or sometime in December. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got a question here from FI Mark. Does it worry you that the market needs so much manual intervention from FI to stimulate it? Also, what do you make of the short-termism that is creeping into FI? Surely great for their commissions and therefore good for us with longer visions. So for me, with this sort of intervention, you know, it can be quite frustrating, you know, and a lot of people do have, you know, a moan about it. But as I said earlier about being honest with your trading, as long as they are also honest in, you know, holding their hands up and saying, you know, we got this wrong and we need to improve this and we're going to improve this, then as long as they're, you know, honest and transparent with their sort of business model, as you like, then surely like in, you know, in the future, you know, things will improve and eventually they'll, we will get there to a product that is, you know, a lot more secure. And I'm sure these things, you know, we'll look back and think, oh, can you remember when they paid out this person instead of this person, etc. and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's worrying. What I would say, um, traders are coming, they're kind of getting used to these bonuses that are coming into place. And I think a lot of people are kind of predicting the next move and um, they're holding back money, you know, for these bonuses instead of just letting the market move, you know, naturally. I do think they need that little bit of time just to let the market move naturally and um, not give the traders too much bonus um, because as I say it's like anything you know if you give a dog a treat you know they'll get a bit more they'll come to expect it um, more than anything if you give it daily or you know let's say monthly or you know whatever FI do so I, I think yeah you can get used to receiving these bonuses and think why am I gonna why do I need to deposit now when I can wait just for the next bonus to come in play. Yeah on, on the short-termism point as well I think it's really important to remember when there is 
a dividend bonus or a dividend increase rather, then there's always going to be that kind of, the value is going to be very spread. And it's just like, it's just natural for it to happen because there's so much value out there. People are going to be looking at like where they can maximize their money because the profits are so large when the dividends are increased. On the worry of, you know, manual intervention, for FI to succeed and become a better product, there has to be manual change and intervention. And whether or not he's alluding to changes in the rules, dividend increases, or yeah. um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, a deposit bonus and all that kind of stuff. These are things that are being done to like squeeze as much value out of the, the market cap as possible. And like trying to add to the coffers of FI so they can actually in response make the product better, which is good long term for everyone. So I don't know, like I, I think I'm always been one who's said, you know, if FI have to change things, then they have to. And I trust them to do it for the best of the platform. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget that, you know, they are still a new company. I'm going to, I am going to class them as a startup company still. I think the class is a startup company until, you know, five years plus, let's say. Um, so, you know, there are still things they're learning themselves and what's working, what they do need to improve on. And, you know, I do think they do fantastically at that, you know, whenever they get, you know, a few people complaining about a certain thing, they are quite quick to stamp that out um, these days. So, you know, the communication has been fantastic from them. Um, yeah, and I do really trust, you know, the marketing side, well, the whole staff there and what they're doing. Um, so definitely going forward. Yeah, I agree, really, because, you know, whenever they have had these payouts where they've been slightly wrong or something, I do, you know, I, I'm sat here thinking, you know, tomorrow, you know, it'll be put right and, you know, the right payouts will be, will be given. Yeah, yeah, I think they've definitely gotten better on the comm side as to, as to what you said there, veteran. And yeah, there is, well, there was a worry, you know, three years ago when they missed a payout, it was kind of like, what's going on and now it's like yeah. okay well it's it is gonna it is gonna get paid there's just like a technical hitch yeah i think my biggest worry was once i don't know if you remember this it was probably about two years ago maybe and it literally the website just went down yeah and it, i remember came, oh wow like that was probably my biggest shock like i could just imagine like i was know, on holiday like, as well i was abroad yeah. i remember that very clearly I think it said football index doesn't exist or something, but obviously, you know, it was just a technical error. But wow, that, yeah, it really, really shook me for a minute. But yeah, I've, I've really got, you know, huge confidence. I'd, I'd say after, you know, nearly four years now, it's just grown and grown and grown. And, um, you know, it's just, I think it's going to continue with what, you know, they've got plans in place, obviously, to, you know, open up to other countries. And, you know, you've got the intervention of NASDAQ. And, you know, there's just always, there's just something always around the corner, I think. And that's just building my, uh, my trust in the platform. And yeah, speaking of trust and, and the future and building trust for that future, Football Index Scotland, he says, for the podcast, does 2020 offer even more opportunity on FI than the years gone by? A lot of people seem very optimistic about 2020. A lot of people seem to think that, you know, being on the platform in 2016, 17, 18 is where the opportunities were best. But what are your opinions here? My opinion is that I guess is it kind of hinting towards, you know, announcements and opportunities sort of, you know, different avenues maybe for Blindex could go down because, you know, if he was referring to opportunities within trading, you know, there's still plenty of opportunities probably still in 2019. So, you know, there's no mm. reason to sit on your your portfolio and, you know, let the last, you know, two months of this year pass by when I'm sure some people will be posting, you know, screenshots of their profits of the last month and they'll be up, you know, 30, 40% or something like that. So yeah, I think, you know, there's always opportunities, whether it's next year, or, you know, or whether it's, you know, next week, you know, I feel 
there's always an opportunity within the market due to just, you know, the prices changing. Yeah, I think with what they've got in place, as I just mentioned as well, got so much to add still. Yeah, as with it being still, I still class it as relatively new, as I've said before. Um, so, yeah, they've got so much scope. Um, it's hard to say whether, you know, it's going to be as successful. I'm going to say it will be, um, if not more, just because, you know, we've got a big volume of users now, active users, you know, not the ones that are just here for a you know a quick you know, a couple of months and then decide it's not for them. I think that was very much more when, you know, I first joined and when I'm guessing you did, Fig, um, you know, you'll have had a lot of people, uh, you know, buy a player and then, you know, it takes like a week, you know, two plus to sell. It took a long time to sell anyway <laughs> because you didn't have that instant yeah. sell comfort. Um, so I could imagine a lot of people just cashing in and, um, you know, taking, you know, whatever the, the money then. And then probably, you know, it's put them off Football Index for a little while. But now, you know, you've got a professional product which is going to expand and, you know, we've got, you know, a big number of users. I don't know the exact number, but, you know, we must be hitting, you know, some very large numbers at the minute. I think it's nearly half a million now. But I mean, yeah, if wow. I look at 2020, I look at, you know, potentially the implementation of order books, NASDAQ being like a, a very big part of FI on the tech side. And I look at, you know, a dividend review in August and I look at a, you know, the Euros, there just seems to be so many boxes ticked in this year. And I think that if FI established themselves as the biggest and best disruptor to traditional gambling and exchanges or, you know, gambling exchanges, then I think that, yeah, 2020 will probably be their best year. I want to go out on a limb and say that. No, I'll agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the future's bright. Yeah, these order books certainly will be interesting as well if they come in to how, you know, if there becomes a new, you know, a new way of trading and, you know, a different strategy to trading. Yeah, I think it will um, implement, you know, the investors, the big investors um, with the implementation of that. Um, you know, it'll appeal to them. They'll see it as, you know, a more professional market. They'll start seeing the value. I think it'll also create a lot more liquidity in the market. Uh, more than you yeah. probably, yeah, more than you probably imagine. Um you know, there'll be a many a time where people will, you know, chose to sell at a certain price. They'll hit the, you know, the buy and the sell brackets at certain prices. And um, but obviously, because they can't do that, they'll probably change their mind once it comes to it. But if the, um, you know, the order books are in place, um, you know, I, I do think it'll create, you know, a lot more of that. Right. Well, that was our last question, gents. Uh, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss that you haven't got off your chest yet? Not particularly. I did want to mention that. Yeah, I am starting to, you know, write another one of those blog posts that I did sort of tweet a little teaser out for people and, you know, did get a very good reaction with numbers of likes. So I'm hoping that doesn't disappoint, but that should be out, <laughs> you know, around the same time as this comes out. So, yeah, if you can find that on my Twitter header, that will be there for people to look at if they want to read. You know, it, I will warn you that it will be quite lengthy and should be some things in there for everyone. But, you know, they're more than welcome to leave feedback, positive or negative, to be honest. I'd say definitely if anyone's looking, um, you know, for other investments like property or anything like that, and they've got any, you know, questions for me or anything about that, then feel free to do. I love chatting about it. Um, I'm also, you know, looking at expanding into deal sourcing. So if anyone, you know, has any plans to, you know, invest in property in the future, especially in the north part of England, you know, I can definitely help them look for something within that avenue. Um, also in the stock market, ask any questions, you know, if you, um, you know, uncomfortable with anything, you know, I'm happy to help on that. Any FI questions, of course, um, my DMs are always open at FI Veteran. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, Carl, where can people find you? 
So they can find me at, yeah, fi underscore K Brown on Twitter. And yeah, like most people in the community, yeah, my, you know, DMs are always open for those people, you know, that want any questions answered or, you know, I should be able to get back to people pretty quickly being at university, you know, quite often <laughs> on my phone. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I do my best. Yeah, all the That's time not what you've got world. your loan for. <laughs> <laughs> You can find me at FI Guide. Uh, if you guys are commuting right now, hope you had a wonderful quick commute, just over an hour or so of the pod, uh, perfect for, for your average commute. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing at uni and just uh, pretending to study, then uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, good luck to you. <laughs> Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. Uh, there was quite a few. And lastly, Football Index is a gambling platform. Uh, only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, have a great day. Hold up. 